Welcome to Snazzy Stories. Put some pepper in thy step and lend an ear to the terrific tales of the past. Hey everybody, welcome to Snazzy Stories. I would like to talk to you a little bit about my experience on September 11th, 2001. It is the anniversary of the terrorist attacks in New York City, and so I'd like to tell you my story about that and kind of, I don't know, give you some insight. Well, hopefully it's insight into into that day and how it changed the world, but I'm sure all of you out there know that it changed your lives as well as people who weren't even born yet, but their perspectives, perspectives of the world are completely different than ours were before those t- attacks happened. Now, I was in high school, and I remember, uh, so I was a senior in high school, and I remember I went to my first period class, which actually was my dad's class. He was a math teacher. And so I was his student aide my senior year, first period. And I remember him being sick that day, which my dad did not normally get sick. Uh, so it was kind of odd that he got sick and he didn't go to school. And so we had a substitute teacher. And when I got into the class, everyone was chattering and talking about what had happened, that uh, there was a, a plane had crashed into the World Trade Center. And for whatever reason, I hadn't heard the news yet. And I got into first period, and people were talking about it. And, and everyone was coming up with explanations on what really happened. If um, something, a heart attack had happened to the pilot, uh, if there was some sort of electronic malfunction, uh, something like that. We we had no idea that it was going to be a terrorist attack, and the and those of you who know kind of that lived through this this time period, we we didn't recognize terrorism necessarily as being in the United States. It was always somewhere else. And and when we watched the news of these events that were taking place right in front of us, uh, we did not expect it to be a terrorist attack. We continued to speculate that it was. Um, it was an accident, and uh, and that was what we all wanted to believe. But we also that was we had no reason to believe otherwise. Really, I mean, we had we had uh, a, uh, an attempt, I guess, in 1993 with the World Trade Centers, um, and there was also the Oklahoma City bombing. But for the most part, in the United States, we really, at least for me. I, I felt this way, but even watching the news, uh, the newscasters couldn't believe what they were seeing, and they their first reactions were not that it was terrorism. And so when I was at school, uh, I went to my next class, and so the teacher had brought a TV in, and we were watching on the news, and we watched the, the towers, and they were on fire, and there was smoke billowing out, and we watched the second plane go in as well. And it was shocking. And again, the newscasters, they all thought that this was somehow an accident and that something malfunctioned electronically. And it wasn't until a little bit later in the day that continually watching the news that people started saying that it could be terrorism. And then it was later confirmed that it was. But I remember I was sitting in all of these classes. I went from class to class. And the radios were on televisions were on and we just watched the news all day and finally I ended up in the library and I was sitting there with a lot of other people who were watching all these different TVs that were in the library and I sat there really at this table 
and I was surrounded by all of these people, all of my peers, and I felt so alone. And it was such an odd feeling um, because I was surrounded by all of these people, but I felt so alone. And I just, tears were streaming down my face, and I, I couldn't believe what I was hearing that terrorism had struck in the United States. And I just, I couldn't believe it. I was really shocked. And um, the end of the day came, and I actually had a volleyball game that day. I played on the varsity team, and, and we were driving to Cedar City, Utah, about 45 minutes away. And I got on the bus with the rest of the team, and I was very quiet. And everyone else was kind of chattering about what was going on, uh, if we were going to be going to war with, with people, with the terrorists. And, uh, and I just kind of sat back and listened to everybody. And finally, I just kind of said, well... Who are we going to go to war with? And they said the terrorists. And I said, well, but they're not an actual country. Like, who are they? They're everywhere. Like, we don't even know who these people are. Um, and the name Osama bin Laden had been thrown around on the news in the afternoon. But I said, they're everywhere. We can't pinpoint necessarily where they are. And, and they just kind of stared at me. And I thinking, well, just go to war with the terrorists. And I, and I was kind of confused. I'm like, how are, you going, how are we going to actually do that? I mean, everybody wants, it was almost like everybody wanted justice and revenge, which yes, we all did. And, and even me, and I thought, yeah, we need to go and get these horrible people that did this. But in the back of my mind, and what I was telling them and I was like, I don't even know. We don't, we just don't know who these people are. Like they're everywhere. Um, and so that was kind of my thought as everyone was talking about, we're, we're going to go to war. And then, um, we traveled up to the volleyball game and we, and we played, we played County View High School and I think we won. I don't even necessarily remember. I think everybody seemed to be kind of going through the motions and we, we were kind of in a daze almost, uh, because some of us, I think, well, for me at least, I, I wasn't sure if we should even play that day. Uh, I, I thought, here we are playing this game while all these people in New York are running for their lives or they're jumping out of the buildings. And here we are playing this game. And so I kind of felt bad, almost guilty for playing a volleyball game on the day of September 11th, and when this tragedy had struck in the United States. Uh, but at the same time, I guess, we, we were still living our lives, so the terrorists had not broken us, I guess, in a way, uh, because we were still living our lives, we were still doing something we loved. But at the same time, again, I felt kind of guilty, and I don't know if other people felt guilty on the team. I, I don't know, but that was kind of my feelings. And I remember... Um, the ride home was uh, very quiet because I think all of us, we were happy that we won, but at the same time, we were all kind of in this daze and we didn't know what was going to come next. So that was my experience on September 11th. And I feel like every year, I always get very emotional on September 11th. And uh, it's because I feel like that day impacted me a lot, even though I was not there at the Twin Towers. But I remember sitting in that library thinking, what's going to happen next? And just feeling so alone. And I, I don't know, it just impacted my life a lot. So every year, I always 
try to commemorate it in doing it in some way. Uh, I have a lot of music that I listen to specifically for 9-11 uh, to commemorate and remember the day and the tragedy that happened. There are uh, sound clips that are put on, put within the music from that day from people from President George W. Bush or from people running or just audio clips of people who were there. So it kind of kind of gives you a little bit of a feeling of remembering what people were experiencing at that time. So I listen to that usually during the week. But now that I'm a teacher, I also make sure I set that day aside to talk to my students about 9-11 because I feel like oftentimes we we get so far removed from 9-11 because as far we go the years go by and we kind of forget which in a way um, we kind of just go on living our lives which we should so the terrorists don't win but also I feel like we need to commemorate and we need to remember and so when I talk to my students about this and especially my students are 12 and they were not born yet but they always have a lot to say because their parents have told them about where they were. And so they always want to, they always are raising their hands. They want to express where their parents were and the experiences that their parents have told them. And I love that. And I am always happy to hear that and for them to share that. But when we talk about it, I usually show the footage, uh, the news footage from, from that time. And so they can kind of experience what I, what I was sitting through in school and, so many other people were watching on the news that day, so they can kind of experience that. And I always point out that the newscasters, uh, they're not talking about terrorism. And my students are always so shocked when people on the news are talking about what actually happened and they're trying to come up with excuses for what happened or just explanations, not as excuses, but explanations for what happened. Uh, and they never say terrorism. And my students are shocked. And they think somehow that we are just oblivious, that we, we were just stupid. We just didn't know. And I always point out to them, yes, but that's not the world that we lived in. Uh, we were not used to terrorism in the United States. And... That was foreign to us. And they are just so, they're so shocked by it. It's really kind of funny. And so we have to, I have to explain to them that this was not the world that we lived in and talk about the fact that this is the world that you guys grew up in now is the post 9-11 world. And that when they look, when they look at the news, they watch the news and they see a terrorist attack, even if it's not in the United States or if it is anywhere in the world, they automatically know it was terrorism, and they know that it was ISIS or some other terrorist group. They just assume it's terrorism, just like all of us do now. And we talk about that, that that is the world you grew up, you grew up in because of September 11, 2001. And their airport experiences are completely different than what we used to have before 9-11. Uh, it's, it's a lot more secure now. And we kind of talk about those experiences, and they're shocked. They're absolutely shocked. They're like, really? You didn't have to do all these different things? You didn't um, have to worry about how many ounces you had on the, on the plane or the TSA and, and how strict they are now? And I say, no, we didn't have that before. And 
it kind of gives them a little bit of a taste of the fact that their world is incredibly different. Um, and I thought uh, I would share this year with my students, talking a little bit more about the people who are jumping from the buildings. Uh, I And we talk a little bit about that. Uh, I tell them that. And they all kind of, and a lot of, some, most of them know that. Most of them have seen pictures, and they know that. But uh, this year, I actually found a video, and I'm not going to show it to my students because it has a little bit more graphic detail than they should probably see because <laughs> uh, they're 12. But I did find a video that was really interesting to me and kind of impacted me uh, when I was watching it. It showed footage of people jumping out of the buildings and pictures as well, which I've seen many pictures. But it really, when you see it again, it just kind of gives you this like, uh, kind of like a jolt through you. And it also had some information throughout the video. And the, the end of the video kind of gave the idea that these people were taking control of their own lives again by choosing their death, which we talk a little bit about that uh, with my 12-year-olds on a, on a level that they can understand with Flight 93 because uh, we talk about how they took over the plane and they knew they were going to die, and so they decided to take control and decide how they were going to die. And that is always very impactful to the students. They always are so interested in Flight 93. And so uh, watching this video, though, I kind of hadn't really thought about it. And it's kind of ridiculous that I hadn't thought about it. But I hadn't really thought about this as ter in terms of the jumpers. And uh, with this video, it was called Remember the Jumpers because they did take back their lives in a way with choosing their own death. They knew they were going to die, but the intense heat was almost like pushing them towards the window. And it was horrifying to watch these people jump out of the window. But as I thought, I had the thought as us as human beings, we really, we like to take control of our lives in such uncontrollable situations. And these people in these buildings and the people on Flight 93, they were in a completely uncontrollable situation but yet they took control back for their with their way that they were going to die. And I thought that was such an interesting idea. That, And to put ourselves in that situation, I can't even imagine being in a situation like that. And on any of the airplanes, and on Flight 93, I can't imagine being in that situation. And every time I think about 9-11 or we talk about it with my students, and or I'm watching videos... I always think, what in the world would I have done? And I can't ever say what I would have done. I don't know what would have happened. I don't know what I, how I would have reacted in a situation like that. And especially on Flight 93 that took over the plane and brought it down in the field, I just I, I can't imagine what I would have done. I, I mean, I hope that I would have been willing to do something and take action and not cower. But I don't know if I would have. And I think these people they made these choices in such an awful situation. And so part of me on 9-11, I always try to remember these people, even though they're strangers to me. I don't know. I didn't know anybody in the buildings in the two towers. I didn't know anyone on Flight 93. I didn't know anyone in the Pentagon. 
but on 9-11, I always try to make sure I remember these people. They were actual human beings that, that made choices um, and tried to take back their lives. And some of them didn't have a choice. Uh, they just perished when the towers collapsed or the fl- planes that went into the building. And on that day, September 11th, our world completely changed. It completely changed. And I found an article uh, probably about nine years ago, and it describes exactly how I felt and how I still feel about how much our world has changed and what changed that day. And every year on 9-11, I always read it. This article was written for the Times, uh, New York Times Magazine, and it was written by Andrew Sullivan just a couple weeks after the attacks in 2001. What are days for, the poet Philip Larkin asked. We used to know the answer to that. Days were for living, for working, for the rituals of normalcy that make up the way of life we have come to know as American. These days had their ups and downs. They had their surprises and shocks. But they had, as well, a sense of reliability or modest predictability. We barely noticed all these small moments of routine that strung together form the ballast of a culture. The commutes to work the family outings, the plane rides to friends, the coffee breaks, and household chores. They acquired a rhythm that, although we easily forgot, took a revolution to begin, a civil war to resolve, and dark and bloody wars to defend. This normalcy was not the same thing as freedom, but it was quietly dependent on it. And so this security built solely upon itself, broadening and deepening until we took it for granted. The threats to it always remote, and though involving us, not about us. We watched those threats on television like a reality show that never fully became real. And when we saw Americans abroad in trouble or distress, we knew that there was always a hope for a homecoming, a return to safety. To arrive from elsewhere onto American soil was always and everywhere a relief. It presaged the joy of security again, of family and friends and faith and work. We knew what days were for and knew always that even when disaster struck or news shocked, The days themselves would encompass what we had to deal with. They would bracket us, shield us, support us. I look at the calendar now and see the last time I felt this way. I check my voicemail and hear voices recorded before it changed. I haven't erased them. Something stops me. I want to remember their unwitting innocence of dates fixed and dinners planned, of trips scheduled and work to be done, of assumptions of regularity that seemed banal before they ended when they suddenly seemed more precious than the gorgeous sun that beat down on that Tuesday morning. I miss that blithe assurance that things will be what they have been, if not in degree, but in kind. I miss the America that knew deeply that it was different, apart, protected, somehow open to the world, and yet immune from its worst evils. As immigrants know, this was the thrill of this country, its irresistible pull, its deepest promise. It was a symbol that the world need not always be the impenetrable dark place it has often been. It was a sign that someplace, somewhere, was always secure, as powerful an icon to those outside this continent as those within it. This was the new world. It is now only the world. We like to think there are regular patterns in history, that events can be foreseen, that consequences can be predicted, that the world moves slowly from one era to another, We shrink from believing that in one instant, history can be stopped dead, or that the deepest part of a country's meaning can be altered. 
We do not want to contemplate the chance that history is in fact a series of unique moments, each as contingent as the last, with nothing inevitable, nothing foretold. When the first tower of the World Trade Center was attacked, we thought immediately that this was an accident, because that is what the past had prepared us for. Although we had fantasized in movies or concocted in novels the scenarios in front of our eyes, we kept seeing them as if they were not actually happening, as if by force of will we could simply negate the evidence of our senses. And even as the hours proceeded and the worst got worse, we somehow resisted that this was the case, as if we would wake the next day to find it had not really happened, that our country had not absorbed a wound deeper than even now we can fully articulate or absorb. We can talk logistics and details. We can recover our dead and comfort our survivors. We can look at what shone in that day almost as brightly as the sun, the passenger heroism aboard the planes, the sacrifices of countless firefighters and policemen, the acts of dignity and courage that no one will ever truly know in the nightmare of the stricken building in the minutes before it collapsed, the last phone calls of doomed fathers and mothers and sons and daughters taking their last moments to speak to those loved, those they loved, we know we will endure. In fact, we know that it is at moments like this one that true heroism is born and leadership forged. We can anticipate the day, not yet here, when we do not think at some point of this gaping gash in our collective soul, and we can be build now a solidarity and patriotism that eclipses even that of our founders and defenders for centuries. But we also know somewhere that things will never be the same that the inviolable might of this country's promise has been assaulted by an enemy whose war has just begun. Although, th although the wound is obviously deepest here, it isn't only this country that has been altered. America is not only a place. America is an idea. The knowledge of this secure elsewhere was what kept freedom and hope alive for millions around the globe for two centuries. It was the force that broke the stalemate in the Great First War, the place from which the world dared to hope for peace after 1918. It was the beacon toward which countless immigrants traveled in order to leave their somewhere behind. It was the rock upon which Churchill summoned the will from his people's terrified hearts to go on and win against the darkest forces that freedom had ever encountered. It was the symbol that ultimately brought down Ber the Berlin Wall and faced terrorism in Tiananmen Square. In this sense, what was done to America was also done to the collective consciousness of the world to those future Americans not yet born in other parts of the globe, to those who have come to rely upon the United States as the last resort for a liberty long languishing in other somewheres. It was a place where the pa human past could, in dreams at least, be erased, eluded, relinquished, avenged by the sheer sight of millions of all types and creeds and races living well and freely, day in, day out. This was the dream. In the only country in, wh in which mere dreams were not derided as illusions, America's power, even when wielded across the globe, was therefore, was therefore still a strangely innocent power, innocent of what true evil can bring, innocent of what real danger is. Even when we encountered it in Flanders, in Normandy, in Auschwitz, in Moscow, in the Vietnam Delta, and in the Iraqi desert, it was always someplace else, never here, not in this place, not where freedom was reborn, this elsewhere would never just be somewhere. This is what a day means. Like the day an archduke was shot in Sarajevo, when no one knew in the morning when the afternoon would have proved. Like the day of the first blitzkrieg in Poland, 
when denial and the dawn seeded to dread at dusk. Like the day in November 1963 when the same sense of numbness and grief swept through Americans in an instant. Like the beautiful September day when a man heard a sound and looked up into the sky in curiosity and calm and saw the end of something we never truly appreciated until in one short day it had already disappeared. These former things have passed away. Another world began that day. On September 2001, in New York City, our world completely changed. Our worldview completely changed. I try to explain that to my students, to all the kids who look and watch the news. And to them, terrorism is a commonplace. Our world changed. And this article hits it right on the head for me. On September 11th, I hope everyone commemorates it in some way and remembers of all those people who lost their lives and the families that suffered through that, all the people in the planes who were in the buildings, who were outside when the buildings collapsed, but they still lost their lives for the firefighters and policemen and women who were inside trying to help people when they collapsed, for all the people who developed illnesses because they were in those buildings helping people who developed illnesses later on in their lives. These are real people. And sometimes I think in history, as when we, the farther we get away from it, we forget that they're real people. So hopefully on September 11th, every year people will remember that these were actual human beings and that they made choices. Some of them made choices to jump out of the building. Some of them made choices to bring down planes. Some of them were able to make choices to help other people get out, even if they didn't make it out themselves. Or some people made choices to run inside the building to help people. And some of those people also didn't make it out. September 11th changed our world. We are only a part of the world, but that doesn't mean that we, can't, we give up on human beings, that we can't be a part of a better world, that we can't try to help other people just within our communities to make our world better, to create a better world for everyone else. Even though our world has completely changed, we live in a postmodern 9-11. But human beings can still help other human beings. Come back to Snazzy Stories, where everyone has a story.